Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She's Taking Over the Podcast. Today we are joined by good friend and guest, Mark Carroll. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. How has your morning been so far? Busy. It's been on a big meeting with my team, as always, planning ahead, looking at things. So business life and now on a podcast with Jenna Davies. I love to hear that. What are you working on for the new year? What did you guys meet about? Um, a few different things. Um, some of the things I can't really go over right now. Um, um, but then a big thing was just kind of looking at optimizing Facebook community a bit more again. Um, yeah, just, um, hiring some more people at the moment and, and looking at ways you can keep, you know, building out your community and, you know, community is important and, you know, you can post a lot on social media and, and, you know, provide education and stuff like that. But I just think for myself, just looking at, you know, at the business and stuff like that, I think we could be doing more value for our private Facebook community. So it's just, yeah, come up with a bit more of a plan there and structure. And a lot of the times in life with business, you get busier and busier and you you say, I'm going to do all these things. And then three months later, nothing ha- happened. So we're just kind of trying to action things and yeah, so let's actually put some time d- dates on this. When's this going to happen? By who's going to be actually assisting in this actual job and stuff like that? And yeah, not just yeah. There's lots of good ideas out there, but whether they're actioned or not. So yeah, so that's basically it. It's like that saying: a strategy without execution is just a wish. Really, I love to hear that you are coming back to focus on the Facebook community. You've always been quite strong with your community, and um, I remember the Facebook group was really a place where women felt so safe to share. Do you still have the community sharing and contributing to the Facebook groups, or are you finding that this is part of your strategy to re-engage it? Yeah, they, they do share, but I think it definitely can be better. I think um, sometimes once you build up a solid community, you somewhat have the community kind of run itself. People talk and, and talk and talk and talk and talk, but then you can also yourself lose a bit of the structure of where you want to go and where you want to take it and be adding more value. And I think trying to lead, lead the conversation a bit more. And that's the the thing I'm working on, you know, like being able to engage community is important and, you know, trying to take charge of where you want the conversation to go. And, you know, what, what's, what's the purpose of why, why, why does it exist? What are we trying to offer? Like what problems are we trying to solve? And, Likewise, again, like it's a little bit different a community providing value versus say providing value on Instagram content. So often it's just more being seen, being more relatable, um, helping maybe a bit more around the mindset of things and stuff like that. And yeah, so it's just, there's so many things to do these days with social medias and posting and podcasts and Facebook groups and whatnot. It's, it's, I think just important to understand whichever vehicle you're using, what you're doing it for, what you're trying to achieve and kind of be really specific with that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you kind of get lost in a bit of just doing a bit of this and a bit of that. And it probably doesn't become as effective as it should be. You definitely have a community of advocates. I've seen it on social media. I've seen it in other forums, in different Facebook communities, people advocating for your work, people pushing your work, your programs and challenges, particularly the bikini body. 
how did you cultivate such a strong community that your bikini body product, I feel, is really led, obviously, by the bikini bodies that you've built, initially leveraging the clients that you had competing and and also Lauren's success with Winning Worlds when you were coaching her. And now really what you've got is these people that are contributing, women that are contributing their before and after so strongly and encouraging other people to jump on board the, the, the program. Do you engage with these women on a one-on-one basis? Do you see them and do you communicate with them personally? Not a lot, to be honest, just because it's – I I find on social media people – definitely seem to dm less these days so you you uh, a couple of years ago when i really started this i found anyone was doing a program they'll dm you a lot more or the, you know more questions and stuff like that but now of course obviously i've got as well my as a positive more my system's really just now down there's less kind of lost in translation everything's really kind of self-explained i've got a bigger team now to run stuff so i don't get as many conversations probably um in my dms unless someone then shares shares their results with me um when they share your, their results obviously then you communicate and say amazing work and and whatnot and yeah but i think from a standpoint on social media instagram i find people and with facebook groups it's probably not as conversational as it probably was a couple of years ago. You know, I think people see that across the board with everything, you know, from uh, getting less likes, get less story views, less engagement on your posts, but even in your DMs, I definitely, you know, I just did a sale period and a couple of years ago, I'd open my phone, I'd be a thousand questions of just which programs for me, which programs for me and what do I do here? And, you know, it's definitely different now. I think people are less chatty which can be a positive and it can be a negative at times. So it depends what the question is. Um, but yeah, so of course try to build that community and yeah, but there's a, there's a, when your business, I think it becomes more and more established as well. And I think the bigger your account gets, I think sometimes people also feel a bit more intimidated to message you sometimes, which can, um, which you don't want as well. You know, you want that good conversation. You want to have people feel like they can reach out to you for help. Um, and so I think when I had a smaller account, it was definitely more that. And then I think you get bigger and bigger and people think they can't, but communication obviously is, is what you want as a business. Mm-hmm. And in terms of scaling the business to where you've been able to take it today, how have you found the the tech platforms and the systems that you've used to scale? Would you – I know that you've custom built your own app and you've done that internally with the team that you work with. Did you come up with features for your, your app and systems based off the community feedback over the last few years? Yes and no. Um Here's the thing, right? Like a lot of times you want to be forward thinking. So, you know, Apple didn't really come up with a lot of their stuff, you know, feedback, you know, it's that you're kind of trying to be forward thinking and then you at the same time trying to be also solving problems. So what are the people asking for right now? And then you're also trying to think, well, what could optimize the process for them? What could optimize people doing your programs that they're not even aware of? So a lot of those things, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blend. You're, you're trying to think, well, where's the industry going? What can be better? And I think with tech getting better and better and better, it's even easier to implement good things these days. Um, you know, at the moment on the app right now, we're um, just building out um, a period tracker, um, which is obviously a, I have a large female 
community and so someone like a female um a period tracker is something um actually lauren was talking to me about and just talking to a lot of women i see just friends and they post on social media so that was the idea of, oh that would be a great tool to have to give them um things like that even just um sending notifications of hey congratulations you've hit your hit, hit, hit your steps and stuff like that that wasn't really asked for but you just see as well what other people do well where it's like say a my fitness pal congratulations you track your calories just stuff like that to hold you accountable um and from a standpoint of yeah uh like from you your audience asking you questions i think it comes back to something you you find in businesses sometimes the questions you ask or the things people ask it feels like that's what everyone wants but it can just be a couple of people with the loudest voices and mm-hmm. often it's not always everything so it's it's also being careful of being like oh this one person asked for this so therefore i have to change my kind of strategy but then in reality 99% of people didn't want that so you kind of need to take on board you know feedback good bad feedback and then you know do with it um you know do you use that do you do you think that person's correct do you think that person's incorrect um and then just as well everything you do is kind of like well where's this taking me to in the next year and the next year and the next year as well so it's 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 quite important to be forward thinking and trying to as well not just be identical everyone as well so some of the things that you have created essentially weren't asked for, but innovated by you due to the market, um, due to trends and, and obviously your coaching skill set, looking for gaps with your current offering. Is there an instance in business where you did innovate based off market feedback, but it wasn't as well received or wasn't as much of a success as you thought it would have been? Sorry, you cut out there. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, is there an instance in business where you have innovated based on market feedback and it wasn't as successful as you thought it might have been? Um, yeah, so the big thing initially definitely was <laughs> when I transitioned to um, a bikini subscription program. So I have my 12-week bikini bodyguard, sold thousands and thousands of them. And then when I first launched my bikini subscription, which is what everyone in the world was asking for, Mark, can we have ongoing app access? Can we have a brand new program each month? Can we have a private Facebook community each month? Can we have, you know, your latest methods each month? So check, 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 did that. And at the start, when I first launched it, well over a year ago now, it was super, super slow. So I was expecting that to be like just a, initially a 10 out of 10 landslide, like when I released my 12-week guidebooks. And then I had that much, that many DMs for years and years and years asking for it. And then you release it. And then all these people who were begging you to do it, you go spend a fortune to do it. And then none of them jumped on it. And then you'd release another guidebook and then they'll go buy the guidebook. So that was one of the things where initially – you know, you take feedback, you literally get told by people, this is what we want, you do it, and then they don't kind of um, transition to doing it. But over time, it's built up slower. And, but at the start, it was definitely a really slow burn to get where, like, the levels I'm after. Um, so I, I find sometimes when you bring something new into the business, it's kind of retraining your audience, even though they've asked for it. Sometimes people are kind of like, oh, like – but this is a little bit different and I'm used to doing these other programs this way and stuff like that. So yeah, so, so sometimes I, f- I find things you think are just going to be a home run instantly are not. And it just takes time to kind of remarket, get the message across and even really just, just justify to the audience why it exists. 
why you created a change. Like, well, why should I now do the subscription each month over just buying a one-off 12-week guidebook? So it's just making people have that kind of clarity of message. And I think it's important, but that's definitely the, probably the biggest thing that stood out is that, yeah, sometimes you, you get asked and asked for these things and then you do it. And then a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'll do it eventually. <laughs> I imagine that would be really disheartening to launch something and not see the results that you were really looking for or hoping for when you first uh, put it out there. What do you do? Do you, how do you how do you know to stick with it versus when to make a change? Because this is something that I do see a lot of coaches in the industry do. They they come out with something or they create a product or a service offering and um, they tend to change it quite quickly based on the initial uptake of sales. So when uh, you didn't see the numbers on the board that you initially were hoping for, was there anything that you did to pivot or did you just keep consistent with the original plan? The thing that I did with a subscription, which was probably a con from trying to launch it to explosive numbers was I made it exclusive to women who'd completed the full bikini body series. So bikini one, two, three, and four. So I had to complete a full year of my programming of those programs to be even eligible. So that was kind of the, the slower thing at the start. So I wanted to make it really, really, really exclusive that I wanted to have women who just literally committed a year to my program. So I wasn't after gigantic numbers necessarily. And then, I was also committed to, for me to, it's something new and I was testing and learning and we'll just even learning the processes of month to month signups and how we'll run it, the app and, and stuff. So I kind of, as much as, you know, everyone would love things to be a home run right away. I was kind of using it as a, a, a teaching tool. What are we learning from it? Um, how are we marketing? Is the marketing correct? Is the messaging off? And kind of seeing it as a really long term thing, like, you know, where do we want to go in the future? And in, in the end, these kind of businesses, the real good ones are that ongoing recurring revenue subscription based model. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, this hasn't been kind of a home run in the first couple of months, which I thought it would be. What can we do to learn from it? What can we do better? How can we kind of shift the gears to, you know, building up? And so now it builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up and it grows and grows and grows. So it's quite different. It's, yeah, it's quite different to doing my other programs when I have a, you know, release a new program or I have a 12 week um, program and then a sale and stuff like that. It's, so it's, it's been a, definitely a learning um, process and yeah, but I think because, because the thing is, because all my other programs, like I thought, all right, well now I then changed it. So you could only have to do say bikini one, two and three and not four. I thought, well, now everyone who's done one, two, and three will come in and they'll buy that. But then people would still go buy Bikini 4. So I was like, oh, why are they buying Bikini 4 instead of the subscription when they've asked for the subscription? So it wasn't a standpoint of, well, no one's buying my stuff. Everyone's still buying the other program. So it was more just a, what, 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 what's the reason why? And where, how do we start to make them think of, instead of going here after they do, instead of going to Y after they do X, where, how can they go to Z? And so, yeah, it's definitely been a different process and you know my kind of take-homes from that is my business at the moment is a bit of this a bit of that and whereas a lot of subscription businesses are just that so if you're kind of having people sometimes have a lot of options then they'll generally go with the safer option they've been doing for a long term um, time and they're comfortable with and so sometimes then bring a new option 
the best way is sometimes to bring a new option is just to get rid of everything and just go, this is the new option. This is the only way. And then you don't have to have them kind of think. It's like when you give them people endless options, they generally like to often side with what they know. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's just, you know, things you, you learn and sometimes more options and more options and more options can be good for some people, but can also create a bit of indecisiveness for um, a buyer trying to understand which program is best for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would imagine as well, the subscription is a great way for somebody to try something new with a different coach. However, if they don't last the full 12 week term, then the value of them may be less when they've only stayed on for one month of that subscription, right? So do you feel that you've had to change your strategy or your your community uh, strategy to engage the subscription audience differently so that they stay on? Well, the funny thing is, right, like my subscription has been here, I think now 14 months and we have, I think, a 98.9% retention rate, which is just absurd. So basically as soon as someone signs up, they stay, you know, and they just stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. So the retention rate is just insanely perfect, which says, you know, the programs and the products amazing and people love it and stuff like that. So it's just getting them in to do it. And that's the, you know, even like today we've got a sale, you know, um, it's 50% off the first month and quite a big sale for the first month. But I also know that once someone signs up, they're going to be blown away and they're going to be like, oh my God, why didn't I do this earlier? So sometimes it's just doing bigger offers to get people in to find, kind of basically get out of their own way, give them an offer that they can't refuse. And once they get that offer, they get out of their own way and they join and they go, oh my God, this is amazing. Now I see why this is his feature program now. Now I see why, you know, so many people are doing this and, and stuff like that. So yeah, sometimes it's just one of those businesses. It's just getting people to make a decision. And yeah, the, the, the hard part is not retention. That's my strong point, which is a great thing for a business. It's just, yeah, pushing them to get out of their own way and, and, and try and try it. No, that's very true. And it's so, it's so interesting to listen to the way that you strategize for the community to come on board and to, to gain new clients and new audience members. And I love the way that you've always programmed. I know um, the bikini body was widely well received. I'm really curious to understand or, or, or know more about what you think of AI in training um, and in training apps specifically. I've recently seen a body scanning app that scans your body if you stand away further away enough from the phone and estimates your body fat and your lean muscle tissue and then creates your calories and macros. And on the flip side, I actually saw another um, another app that you can uh, film your sets, film your reps, and it will give you real-time cue feedback or, or cues to improve your training. How do you think that um, these AI tools are going to disrupt the training space as a, as a coach that has always been so true to the science and the, 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 the evidence? I think I think it's going to be a, a long process of it actually kind of being at a level where it's really effective. It's kind of like... I remember like when people started using the internet, people didn't really know what to use the internet for, for years and years and years and years and years. It did like, where is that now? It just didn't happen overnight. And even like, do you remember when like, I don't know, you would probably been high school, early high school when the first things like you could start to like try to stream a video or take like 
an hour to get like a 10 second video kind of played. And then the quality was so horrendous watching. And now you can obviously stream anything. I can, you know, you can watch a, a YouTube video on a plane and download stuff, you know, it's just high definition and stuff like that. That just that didn't happen overnight. It's like, you know, 20, 25 year process to kind of get there. And obviously things move quickly now and stuff like that. But I think, I think from a standpoint of, yes, there's things that are tools, but there's always going to be things for, as tools. And I think, you know, you can go both ways. It could make, as a coach, you can make your job better. You know, the internet was like, oh my God, the internet's going to be the worst thing in the world. It's going to ruin your life. Um, you know, well, if you went with it as a business, the Jeff Bezos, he went with it, not against it and did well, you know, so um, same thing with like social media, um, you know, coaches who went with it thrived. So I think there's always, uh, you know, people who are early adopters and use tech, I think can do really good things with it um, when used well, but, Again, most things will also tend, generally fail and stuff like that when they're, when they're new new to the market. The early adopters are not always the one that wins. Um, you know, look at like things like MySpace and, and things like that. And like, yeah, they'll first, but they don't necessarily last. Um, from a standpoint of the whole coaching stuff, like AI, I put into chat GBT the other day or a while ago when I saw it. Write me a Mark Carroll walk, work, Coach Mark Carroll workout. And the Coach Mark Carroll workout he wrote was probably the furthest thing in the world from a Coach Mark Carroll workout. And so it was pretty interesting because people were like, oh, write these programs. And most, most of them are just you know, kind of like a you'd get from like an 80s bodybuilding magazine. So I think a lot of the stuff is a long term away. And I think a lot of times with the AI, people forget like why people buy stuff, you know? So a lot of the. A lot of the secrets aren't secrets or why, why you sign up with someone. Like you, you generally buy from someone, a trainer, say, on social media because you like them, you know. So you're buying from someone's personality. You could get similar programs often from a lot of people, but why do you buy my program? Because you might like my videos. You might like how I act and talk and communicate and stuff like that. But then you might buy someone else's programs who are far inferior, but you just love their personality. You relate to them. So a lot of the thing with AI is that is it giving you that human reaction, you know, relatability? Not always. And then from a standpoint of the coaching and stuff like that, what do people like? Humans generally like to feel seen and heard. And that's why people often pay a premium, obviously, for one-to-one online coaching versus, say, buying a, an eight-week challenge. It's a totally different price point because you're in a different service. And, you know, so... Things like AI and stuff like that probably aren't going to give you less and less and less, but then they could also make certain dull processes more efficient as well. So I think there's always going to be that human relatability that's crucial, but it could also make a lot of the dry stuff faster, more efficient, um, getting to know you know your checking process a bit more efficient to ask the right questions and be able to understand what to do with the data you're getting back from a client. But I think, yeah, like, the standpoint of, oh, you could just go right into chat, chat GBT and get a workout. It's like, well, you could write into Google and get a workout right now. There's a thousand workouts, you know, on Bodybuilder magazine and stuff like that. So to me, nothing's that's really changed. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of fear and stuff. Um, but if anything, technology makes people's lives better. Like I'm at where I'm at right now because of the internet because of social media, um, it hasn't been, oh man, you know, so it's the way I kind of see AI as a way just to optimize your processes. But if the, if you're the person who didn't want to use the internet and didn't want to use social media, they're probably struggling as a trainer if they're not working just purely in a gym from word of mouth. So it's kind of one of those things that's going to give you a pro if you, if you use it, 
But if you don't want to use it, then it can also be a, maybe not a pro for you. What is your advice to coaches online who are struggling with the Instagram and social media algorithms right now? There's a lot of coaches that feel disheartened and burnt out this time of year, obviously getting nearing to the end of a big year of face-to-face sessions, doing all the things, posting all the content, trying their hardest. What's your advice for managing the feeling of disappointment or stress around social media first and foremost? And then I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, how you plan your content after that. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard. No matter what, you know, when you're trying something and you put an effort in and and you're not getting back kind of what you feel like your your expectations, your expectations are not kind of being met. And the thing is with social media now is that thousands and thousands and thousands of coaches have now realized that oh wow, these people have done really well on social media. I should do social media because these other guys have done something and look how much they've killed it. So therefore I should jump on social media. And, you know, a large majority of trainers had this kind of revel, um, you know, revelation in their, in their mind during COVID and stuff like that. But each year, you know, since then they probably put more and more effort into their content, but it's kind of like this, like here's an analogy, right? Let's say you go to a club at night, you're a guy and trying to meet a girl and you go to a club at night and there's 10 amazing, beautiful women. There's 10, 10 out of 10 beautiful women. And they're all single. They've just recently come out of a breakup. So they're looking to mingle, you know, having a good time. <laughs> hey, boys. Um, go to a club. There's 10, there's 10 glamour girls there looking to have fun and talk and stuff like that. And there's three guys there. All the other guys there are with partners. There's three guys and there's 10 beautiful women. So your chance to talk to the girls is pretty good. You go to the club, there's 10 girls, and it's just you and your two mates trying to talk to 10 women. Now, that was kind of what social media was like five, six years ago, seven years ago. Now social media is kind of like going to a club and it's a sausage fest. There's 100 guys and then there's like one girl there, um, you know, one girl and she's kind of like, uh, you know. And so basically they're trying to talk to one girl. Does it get harder to kind of, you know, meet that girl and pick up and stuff like that? Yes, because there's more guys going for that prize and there's a lot less of the prize. So what it basically means that kind of analogy is that these days there's more and more and more and more people posting and reach is getting less and less and less. So there's more and more, less and less people seeing your posts. So there's more people putting an effort in, but then there's less potential to actually be seen. Whereas before there was less people posting and there was so many eyeballs just watching. Now basically everyone on social media is a content creator. It almost feels like every trainer these days sells something. When I used to sell stuff five years ago, I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. And coaches would share my stuff all the time. But now they don't because now they see themselves in competition because they're, they're on, online now. They used to not feel like mm. they were in competition with you because they were in their gym working, you know. But now every coach is online, selling stuff online, so people are a lot less receptive of saying, sharing your stuff and saying good things. So the point is it's, it's the market's changed in the way that there's so many more people trying to do what you're doing and there's less and less um, people seeing your stuff, which makes it harder. But mm. does that mean, you know, you don't stop? Well, not really. It's kind of, again, go back to the dating. You know, you go out, you know, if you 
stay home and you don't go out and try to talk to people, you're basically guaranteed to never meet someone. Whereas, you know, if you go and date and go out and talk to people, yes, you might not everything go well all the time, but you're at least putting yourself in a, in a potential to succeed. So if you don't do any content, you don't post at all, basically you're saying, you're waving the white flag saying, I give up. Whereas just by, you know, doing something. And I think it's just lowering the expectations and basically kind of seeing content as, as just one of the many vehicles to success. And I was talking to, um, I was actually talking to my friend Sheridan Sky yesterday or the day before. And Sheridan Sky, you guys know who has the um, pregnancy training series with me. Um, she is, absolutely killing it with her online coaching at the moment. She's so busy. Like she's so booked out Sheridan and she has a super crazy high session rate um, for online coaching and she is just killing it. But she was messaging me the other night saying how annoyed she was with her content sucking and for her reach. And she's saying, I'm putting more. And more. So Sheridan was basically saying, I'm sharing, I'm doing more effort for my posts than ever before. Um, I'm doing more effort. I'm spending more time posting. I'm, I'm making such good hooks and doing stuff, but I'm getting less and less likes and engagement. I'm so frustrated. I just, it feels pointless. And I said, Sheridan, let's go over this. Do you post on Instagram to be an, you know, a, like an Instagram, are you an Instagram person or are you posting for your business? And she's like, well, yeah, I do it for my business. I was like, cool. So do you see Instagram? as your job or do you see your job as fitness and Instagram is your marketing? She's like, well, yeah, it's, I do Instagram for my marketing. I said, do you do Instagram for likes or do you do Instagram to get clients and make money? She's like, well, yeah, I'm posting to help me get clients. I was like, so let me get this right. Right now you're making probably four or five times more than you were making a couple of years ago. She's killing it. She's like, yeah. I'm like, so you're making incredible amount of money, you're totally booked out. Does that tell you that your content marketing is working? Yes. You're literally making five times more money than we were making a few years ago. You're totally booked out. So does that tell me that your Instagram's not working, your marketing? No, you're literally marketing's killing because it's doing its job. The job of your marketing on social media is not to get followers necessarily. It's not to just get likes and engagement. The whole reason you're posting on social media is to be busy, is to have financial success to help market your business. And you're literally totally booked out, making more money than 99.9% .9 of trainers in Australia. That is your marketing. That's a success. So you could have someone getting more likes and they have, you know, one twentieth of your client database and stuff like that. So that's why sometimes even someone <laughs> come like Sheridan, who's smart and stuff like that, like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like it, like the light bulb kind of went off. You're doing well because the whole reason why you're posting on social media right now is to get clients. You're totally booked out, super high session rate. Therefore, everything you're marketing on social media, it's working. And that's what sometimes people forget is that you're not most of us posting to be Insta famous. We're not posting to be popular and stuff like that. We're posting to get our message across of what we can do to help people. And when you start to think more like that and you go, well, is my business doing well? Am I busy with clients, if it's yes, 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 then really in reality, your marketing is actually doing much better than you actually realize. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's about focusing on the evidence and 
keeping your eye on the prize, which is the business objective. Social media is a tool to achieve an objective. And when you attract the right kind of clientele and you are good at what you do and you are able to actually deliver the result that you claim to deliver, you will have more results to leverage to appeal to a wider audience anyway. So I feel um, sometimes it is also about following the stepping stone approach. And I know there's so many coaches who have done it the other way or had success on social media, but engagement doesn't always equal revenue, which I think is a really important message for coaches to understand. I think um, just on that though as well, and I'll use Sharon as another example, is that she did a post the other day and uh, I think she was in it, you know, in just a crop top and it got lots of views and stuff like that. But then she had another post where she was kind of breaking down a study and it didn't go anywhere near as well. But then, you know, my, as I communicated with Sheridan, I was like, just because a post though got say 10,000 views instead of 50,000 views, like the other one, that 10,000 views could have been people though, who are watching it, who, who are interested in you breaking down studies. 50,000 people were probably interested in just seeing this um, pretty girl look nice in a, in a crop top, even though she was talking, it's just visually, but it doesn't mean majority of them were interested in your services. They were just, oh, visually, was, you know, but then that post that might not have been that engaging, that post might have been the very one of getting the people who are actually much more likely to be your clientele watching. So remember, when you go more into niche, the more and more and more niche you go, e.g. breaking down a really complicated study, of course, you're going to get less and less views, but more and more niche of less views doesn't mean you're not going to get, you might actually get more and more and more people signing up for you because you're finding those people who actually want your services. So yeah, you could do something really general and everyday thing and get heaps of views, but doesn't that necessarily sell your service? But then that post that does really niche, that could be the one that goes, all right, they're the people you who want to buy your stuff. They're the people who see the value in your education who then want to um, learn from you. So as well, so just always try to see each post as for what it is. Like one post might be just to get more general reach for everyone, but that then one can be much more detailed and nuanced, might get way, way, way less um, engagement, but it could actually be the one that leads to far more sales because you're actually going to a bit more in on who you are and what you do. So sometimes it's just important to remember that as well. It's a very, very powerful message. We might wrap it up and leave it there, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that will benefit and hit hard to a lot of trainers and benefit a lot of trainers um, working so hard to achieve their goals at the back end of the year. So thank you so much for your time today, Mark. As always, where can people find you if they don't know you yet? (laughs) Uh, You can find me at coachmarkcarroll.com or coachmarkcarroll on Instagram and also um, my education business is carolperformance.com or carol underscore performance on Instagram for all the aspiring coaches and personal trainers who want to level up their career. Thank you so much. And as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of She's Taking Over. If you loved that, if you learned from Mark, please do comment and share. We love to hear from you. We love to see who's listening. And as always, um, please do leave a review.